We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted the film show. You're listening to Unscripted the film show. You can't handle the truth. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? afternoon, Louise. How are you? <laughs> I don't know why that came out. That was weird. Hi, <laughs> Louise. Hi. How are you going? Very... I don't know. I'm feeling like in a tricky kind of cheeky attitude. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm still on holidays. Are you still on holidays, my friend? <sighs> yeah. You, I, uh... You've got the ear thingies in, which tells me you're my on earrings. holidays. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on holidays, but this this whole holidays at home thing, and like it was it was cool when Cat was on holidays as well. But she finished her holidays on on Tuesday and went back to work yesterday, and and so it's kind of like I'm in this grey area now. <laughs> well, when she was on holidays, it was like, yeah, we're on holidays. Let's go to Adventure World. Let's go to the city and, and do a pub crawl. Like, you know, you you feel like you're on holidays, but now I'm just feeling like I'm just at home, and so I feel kind of compelled to do stuff like you know cleaning and stuff. So it, it, you've got less of a holiday vibe, but at the same time, I've also got a massive pile of comics I haven't read that I'm trying to like you know push myself to read as well. Uh, and That's what I, you want is to be pushed and to when, enjoy. And when yourself. I do get into when I do get to to read them, like it was it's good. It's like I remember why comics are amazing, and uh, yes, yeah, so I was good. So I got through. Uh, I'm up to date on Captain America. I'm up to date on Star Wars, um, and I just started with um, some Jessica Jones comics. One, one before I left. So I've still got about. You know, like if you know how thin comics are, mm. probably about thirty centimeters of comics to read, mm. which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you realise how thin they are, that's a that's a crap load of comics. That's a lot. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try and read a few more tomorrow. Well, that sounds lovely. Mm, mm. I've been doing some uni work and then taking my child to see um, movies and or a movie and to the beach and to get ice cream. So I'm. Yeah, holidays are not a holiday for me. <laughs> I mean, bits of it. I mean, he has let me do my puzzle a little bit. Well, so. That was nice of him. I'm, I know. I'm very happy to hear that. Yes. But that's kind of the thing, though. Once you become a parent, it's kind of like you've just got, well. You've got to share your holidays. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, 90% kid, 10% you. So. Yeah. I, I, um, I wonder what it would be like to be in the house completely by myself. I wonder what that would be like. Do you wonder or do you fantasise? <laughs> yeah, maybe fantasise. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounds really good to me. So what you're talking about doesn't really have a holiday feel and I'm like, mate, let's swap jobs for the day. <laughs> I would happily do that. Um, although said, all that said, I did have a lovely time at the beach yesterday. Um, and um, Are you I, normally a beach person? No, I hate it. So why um, did you have to go? Because I have a child. So the, did the child want to go to the beach? Yes. The child did want to go to the beach, I see. Okay. Yes. So we did go to the beach for only about an hour and a mm-hmm. half, so not a whole long time. And then we did some, you know, 
playtime at the park and then we went and got ice cream and I got in trouble for spending money on him um, because I made him a bear. You know, like... <laughs> you made what, build a bear? Yeah, I made a... I'm, I just... It's really hard to say no sometimes. Because... Because it, it We've got, just had Christmas yep. and I understand like there's other things that we need to be spending our money on. But it just, it was so cute. So he, he <laughs> built a bear yesterday and you've got the option of putting little sounds in them. Mm. So they had like, you know, you push it, put it in there and then you push the thing and it makes a sound. So one of them was a giggle and I'm like, well, no, that's incredibly creepy. So we're not having that. And there are a few other options, um, but he wanted to put a kitten sound in there. So now he has a bear that purrs and makes kitten sounds, which is oddly cute. <laughs> So um, I think it's as much for me as, as for him. Mm-hmm. So um, you get that. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I, I, But I, I did say to him, I'm going to get in trouble when we get home, yeah. you realise, because I'm not supposed to be spending more money. <laughs> Things happen. I had fun. <laughs> but um, today I went and saw Lyle Lyle Crocodile, um, which you saw. I did. And look, it wasn't terrible, and I think that it, but it wasn't fantastic. But I assume you reviewed this a few weeks back. Uh, yeah. Now, before we get... Oh, yeah. we should talk about Jeremy Renner. Yeah, we should We should do that. Yes, yes. So, like, I, I'm very happy that Jeremy Renner has posted a picture of himself yeah. in hospital going, look, I'm a bit stuffed up and I can't really, you know, post too much, but I'm not dead. So that's a really good thing. Um, but I read about the uh, what happened. Apparently he was... Someone was stuck um, in the snow uh, because obviously America's had a lot of bad snow and weather recently. Uh, Where he lives, it's like at the base of a mountain or something like that. So there's a lot of snow there. And he was helping someone to try and like clear the snow around their car so they can, you know, get out. Uh, And I think the the, like snow plow thing was his own and it must have like the brake must have been on properly or something like that or it slid, um, then hit him in the in the chest. And uh, yeah, but fortunately they they managed to get in the hospital, do some surgery on him and now he's recovering, which is really good. Because I mean we have heard before about um, actors um, who have been run over by their own car. Anton. Check. Uh, it was Ch- Yelchin. 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 Anton Yelchin. He, like his car. I can't think about that. Yeah. I the, can't even. The brake went off in his and that rolled back and that killed him. So we're very lucky that Jeremy Renner is still with us because, you know, I've always loved him as an actor. I thought he's, he's a very mm. good actor. He's a brilliant Hawkeye and I'm really glad he's recovering. So Yeah. So initially we heard about it, I think on the second, we had friends over and someone said, oh my God, Jeremy Renner's been in an accident and he's, um, you know, where he lives, there's, I don't know, some snow accident and it's he's in critical uh, but stable. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> not Jeremy Renner. Um, because, yeah, I, I love him too. Mm. But it was weird. I heard like it was like he got hit, like his leg was, was like hitting the leg. I was like, oh, that's not too bad. And then it was like hit the chest. I was like, well, that's much worse. Yeah. So, so when he posted that photograph, I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. At least we know, you know, he's alive and we're not just hearing it, you know, uh, but through through the, the, the reporters, like, sensationalising yep. everything. So It was nice to see his face. As yep. bruised up as it was, it was good news. Um, but he was helping, so he was being an Avenger yeah. and, and he, he almost got killed. A but, good Samaritan. Yes, yeah. Um, it's it's funny because you think about Hawkeye not later on, you know, after Endgame, but you think about Hawkeye when he was with his family and that's the kind of thing he probably would have done, yep. you know? Yep. 
He's a good Samaritan type of guy. Um, but my husband was saying somebody else died over the weekend um, or in the last week in some kind of snow plough incident as well who was also famous um, and there was a rally car driver or some kind of car driver. I don't know. I'm sorry that I'm butchering that and somebody will be listening and know exactly who I'm talking about. But he mentioned a few names that I never heard of before. So it's been a bad, bad couple of days. They've had some serious... Um, Snow over there, so mm. not not good times. I, I just it just baffles me. Like, uh, you know, I've only ever been in really fairly light snow. Like uh, the, I mean, I've been up a mountain that had heavy snow, mm. but like on the street level, uh, like probably New York was the snowiest, and yeah. that was fairly light kind of snow. I can't imagine what it would be like in places where you've got like a foot or more of snow. Yeah, just, yeah, very very odd. I don't know how Mental. people do it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that was Jeremy Renner's story uh, news. Have we got any other kind of movie news? I certainly don't. Oh, I went to, um, yeah, I'm really good at um, not staying on topic. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, we have got to like wish Cecilia well as well because yes, she not well. is not here. Um, she's got a bit of a, a virus, but uh, she will be back up and running in the next week or so. So hopefully we'll have a back. Oh, I don't, I don't think she's a runner. <laughs> well, she'll be back in the chair. Right. Uh, yeah, ne- next week. Um, and uh, But she's going to miss the 19th because she's going to go see Tar. Yes. Yeah. Yes, which has got Kate Blanchard in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny you should mention that because um, I – on, on the second we had a, a couple of friends over and I'm like, I'm not really good at dinner parties but I also don't want to spend money on like buying pizzas and what am I going to do? So I made um, homemade pan-fried gnocchi mm-hmm. and some sp- spaghetti at a, at a reason for going there. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm like, oh, well, the gnocchi takes ages, you know, to make by hand. So I'm like, I'll put something on in the background. You know what I haven't seen for ages? Talent, Mr. Ripley. So I'll put it on, still holds up, young Kate Blanchett. And then I realised afterwards, you know, I'd cook these two Italian meals and I just happened to watch a film that was entirely filmed in Italy. So I was like, that's curious. And I've also watched um, White Lotus 2, which is Talented Mr. Ripley filmed in Italy. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. They huh. were um, in Naples, and then they were talking. They towards the end, they're in Venice. Oh, right. there you they go. are in Rome at some points. Really should watch that film sometime. Oh, have you never seen it? Don't think I have. No. What? That's that. That's a must, man. So it came out in 1999, and that is a peak highlight year for me. There's a bunch of films that came out in 98 and 99 that were just like really, really good. I think I suggested a tangent city on it once. Okay. Because there's just a phenomenal amount of really good films made in that on in that year, nineteen ninety nine. So um I cannot believe you've not seen it. It's got um, Gwyneth Paltrow, Matt Damon, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think it was the first time I ever saw him in anything. Uh, and of course Jude Law. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good. It's full of lots oh, I of people. I think that's why I'm mix, mixing it up because I, I, I mix up the talented Mr. Ripley and mm. Goodwill Hunting because they've both got Matt Damon in it. Yeah, but Matt Damon's been in a lot of things. You're gonna, not going to mix that with like Born Ultimatum or something. No, no, no. The, the talented Mr. Ripley and you know, Goodwill Hunting, they've both got a name in the thing and, you know, talented Mr. Ripley, Goodwill Hunting. They're, it's very easy to They're mix completely different films though. Mm. There's no Robin Williams like cuddling him and saying it's not your fault in talented Mr. Ripley. And you wouldn't want to be cuddling Mr. Ripley. You know, and if you'd seen it, you'd know. Maybe that's a double act I should do is a Goodwill Hunting and Talented Mr. Ripley so I can understand the difference. which is which because I don't think I've seen that one either. 
So, oh, there's a marvellous difference. And while we're mentioning Robin Williams, I was listening to a podcast and they mentioned, you know, Mrs Doubtfire. Um, you know, we all start off wanting to be Robin Williams, but in the end we're always Sally Field, aren't we? <laughs> like, you know, take your feet off the couch and, you know, you've got to work and can't be silly all day long. Although maybe maybe you can. Oh, you can, you can just you know, work and be silly. You can, <laughs> but he, he shirked a lot of his responsibilities. Oh, uh, Robin Williams did in general? Uh, Miss, no, Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. Doubtfire. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm unhinged. <laughs> Unmedicated. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I need to re-watch that one as well because I definitely have watched it, but it has been a while. What? It's a classic, man. Anyway, on that note, we might um, go to a sponsor and come back and talk about something that's – I'm going to try to keep on track. We'll see. It's not possible at all. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show – Hello, sir. So now, so now that we've got all the uh, the you know, news stuff out of the way, um, I don't know how Mrs. Doubtfire was news. It's pretty old. Well, it's still it's still like a reminder. People, people somebody might be driving home and just go, Mrs. Doubtfire. I think I'll watch that tonight. Yeah, guarantee there's at least one person that thinks and about that. And talented Mr. Ripley. Yes, yeah. but we should talk about films that are uh, current in the cinemas. Yes, um, let's start off with Lyle Lyle Crocodile because I did do a yes. review of this one uh, back on. I think it was the the show where we were doing uh, the Boxing Day movies because that was a Boxing Day release. Right. So I feel like Cecilia saw this because I feel like she mentioned Javier Bardem and mentioned that he could do anything, and I do agree with that. Javier Bardem can do everything. Um, uh, no, I don't, don't think Cecilia did say I saw it. but um, Right. She did not. I she must think. have mentioned him in, in the general. context of something yeah. else, maybe The Good Boss or something. Yes. Because that was in her top um, yeah. ten. Um, but, yeah, so Lyle Lyle did come out on Boxing Day oh. and it was a coin flip between that and Puss in Boots. I wanted to see Puss in Boots because, as you know, I have a history of not enjoying real-life humans talking to animated objects. Yes. Um, but Bryce chose Lyle Lyle because there was music and singing in it. So, And that's his thing. So Lyle Lyle Crocodile is based on a kid's book apparently that I've never seen, never heard of. Um, and Sean Mendes plays Ma- uh, Lyle. He doesn't talk at all, but he sure does sing. Now, who is Sean Mendes? Sean Mendes is... Um, the only song I know from him, and I'm sure there are many that if they played I would know, is There's Nothing Holding Me Back. There's Nothing hold. All right, so I know it because of Sing too. Thanks, right. um, okay. Johnny, the, the gorilla sings it. But anyway, that's... Oh, so he's not in Sing too. just one of his songs is in Sing too. Yes. Right, okay. That's kind of the only reason I know who yeah. Shawn Mendes is. Um, but anyway, it also stars Winslow... Uh, Fegley, mm-hmm. whose face is very familiar to us, um, myself and Bryce, because we've recently just watched 8-Bit Christmas, which he was in. And he uh, plays he's, he's Josh. Young, he's a young lad, yeah? He is the young lad. He's that's got, right. He's got an odd-looking face, but... Uh, oh, look, that's that's a bit harsh. I don't know. Well, it's very distinctive, I agree. It's a very distinctive face. He's, he's, I, you're not going to mistake him for someone else. No, this is true. No. So you would recognise him. Um, but anyway, he and his parents, um, Mr and Mrs Pym, played by Constance Wu and... And Scooped McNary, um, they move to New York for a job and they move into this old brown house that is kind of rented. Brownstone. A brownstone, not brown house. <laughs> uh, a brownstone that's um, previously owned by Hector P. Valenti, who is a magician slash entertainer who um, found a singing crocodile and tried to convince it to go um, 
you know, on the road with him, but things kind of went awry. So he went off and did his own thing and Lyle the crocodile stayed in the attic and then, Looked you know, after the himself. kid. He fended for himself. He fended for himself. Yeah. He found ways. He dumpster dived. Um, he, he, you know, and he liked to sing by himself. Um, but, yeah, Josh, the young kid who's just moved to New York, is looking for new friends and finds one in a crocodile that sings. Um, so that's kind of the story. Um, you've also got a cranky um, neighbour whose name is literally Mr Grumps and he's played by uh, Brett Gelman of uh, Stranger Things. A little bit typecast because he's playing a, a cranky weirdo um, and he's kind of a cranky weirdo in, in Stranger Things as well. Um, the, the thing about this film is that I think would have pushed it over the edge was recognisable songs because what they've used, um, the music, um, they're all like new songs. They are all new songs. As far as I can tell. And am I right in saying that the songs are written by the people who did um, Greatest Showman? They or am did, I making that up? They did have a kind of the, the sound, a similar sound to the, the Greatest Showman uh, music. Um, but, yeah, it, to, to me, I wasn't sure, like, if they were doing songs I just didn't know or whether they were original songs. But I did enjoy the songs. Like, I mean, I've seen plenty of musicals where you go in not knowing what the songs are and still found it enjoyable. Not all, yeah. not all um, musicals have to be jukebox musicals. No. Although I do enjoy a jukebox musical at the same time. I know, sing That's, to, best, best exactly, yeah, thing yeah. out there. Um, but apparently the, the Lyle, Lyle Crocodile books were from the 60s. Oh, really? So a lot of the... Um, a lot of the story is based on the first two books, The House on East 88th Street and Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a way for me to find out that information and uh, written by Tony Palmer. Um, you know, we like to do all of our research on air. Well, the the thing, uh, like, I think the idea of La La Crocodile is really cool that it's like, you know, uh, you've always got those rumours about like, you know, uh, alligators in the uh, the sewers of, you know, Manhattan. Uh, and the, the having a, a crocodile in Manhattan is a, a, a very odd image. Uh, but they they really do it justice. And I think the uh, the CGI on it was pretty, pretty impressive and bringing, you know, Lyle to life um, as well as I think the conceit that he can't talk but he can sing was was good as well. So you didn't have to put up with uh, having a crocodile there that was just gabbing on with humans. Yes, this is true. I, I, find, I found that a little bit more acceptable. Um, I am correct in saying um, that they the words uh, the the songs Songs are from uh, the greatest showman songwriters so i am correct and i typed in greatest showman lyle lyle crocodile into google thank you very much (laughs) you don't have to specify exactly just type random stuff in and 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 it pops up and the greatest showman that was yeah there were some really catchy tunes in that there was and in this one here um because there was a song in this one where they reprise it a few times and almost too many times (laughs) one might say uh, that take a look at me now yes Still, I saw it a month ago, and still to this day, every now and again, it'll pop into my head. Catchy yep. as it was, it was good. It's a movie I would probably just chuck it on and watch it again. Really? Yeah, I would disagree with you there. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with this film. I think it's great for kids. Bryce and Connor, who came with us, certainly enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, 
which is the main aim really because that's the audience. I'm not the audience. I'm just the person paying for the ticket. So, um, but you do still want to entertain the adult a little bit and, you know, there was, when you talk about the CGI, I was watching like especially the mum when the mum dances with Lyle. Mm. Like what did they do to make that happen? Because that genuinely looks like she's dancing arm in arm with the a crocodile. So in, in a mocap suit. Okay then. Well, they did a very good job. Well done, people who work in that industry. Is this is this the first time you've, you've realised that they they do motion capture? Is I that, mean, I kind of it's not it's not people drawing pictures no more, my dear. It's people in suits. Just uh, uh, and when they when they. I just it, assumed it was a computer, and that no no. All, all, I assume she danced with a real person in like a green suit. Yeah. Um, no, it would have been a, a, a like a motion capture suit. So I know the the positioning of it. To the point where the the two actors are doing the moves, there'd be a screen where you'd see a really basic version of Lyle doing the dance. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's just the, the these days your uh, animation isn't so much people at a desk doing stuff. It's just all yeah. captured live. I I did like some of the songs, but I didn't think they were good enough, really. And I f- I felt the plot was a little bit meh. Um, for me, I'm gonna give it um, three unacceptable, inappropriate cages. Um, Well, I mean, they go to the New York Zoo and there's a crocodile thing and it just there's a sign that says, don't put your hands through the bars, crocodiles bites. Like how about having a cage that doesn't have space for someone to stick their hand in it. Well, but, you need but, I mean, to, that's not logical. Yeah, you, so. need, you need to make sure that, uh, you know, there, there's a bit of Darwinism there. So oh, well, this is true. It's kind of like, you know, But you, they wouldn't die. They'd just have their arm eaten. Well, they would still be alive. I mean, you could, you could berate them for a while while they just slowly died uh, and then that takes them out of the gene pool. So, right. Yeah. You just let them bleed to death. Well, yeah, they shouldn't have stuck their hand in there in the first place. There is a sign. There is a sign. Yeah. Yeah, um, a sign. And if they're three and can't read it, then that's their fault. That is true. <laughs> they par- should have learned to read earlier. And the, the parents should be paying more attention. Well, this is true. Yes. This is true. So I think if my son was to s- score this, he'd probably give it um, five giant guitar um, containers, Excellent. which no, no, Lyle think- slept in. Yeah, no, I think it was. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, and I, I, the, the the idea of us seeing crocodiles is just so so weird. I I said it was uh, really really well done. But uh, I gave my opinion like the four, so I shall shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, th- that seems rude to talk to yourself like that. Don't <laughs> don't talk to my friend like that. Um, so we'll talk about Avatar: so, Way of Water after. Yeah. So um, are you going to take him to see Puss in Boots now? Uh, if we have nothing else to do, to be honest, he didn't really want to see it. Really? Yeah. Is it because he hasn't seen the first one or, or any of the uh, Shrek films? He's only sort of into Shrek. Oh. So um, he's definitely not, that's not his preferred, like, cartoon. Mm-hmm. So he likes things like um, Ron's Gone Wrong and, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm surprised and, and Encanto and mm-hmm. Sing too. If there's some singing and dancing in it, he's... He's happy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was really surprised he didn't want to sit down and watch Strange World with me. So this is the new Disney mm. um, Disney animated yep. film. It is. Which is out at cinemas as well as Disney Plus or it, just Disney well, Plus? it was out at cinemas. Right. Um, in uh, December and then it got released on Disney Plus on the 24th, I think. 
Right. So, so yeah. So you can watch it now on the uh, on the Disney Pluses. Um, and I, I, I watched uh, Strange World because uh, I was trying to you know, knock it on the head before we did our top ten, bottom five last week. Um, That's you, what I was trying to do too and he was like, nah. <laughs> so if you want to go and find out what our top ten, bottom five were, you can either listen to last week's show and hear us talk about it live or you can go to the Unscripted the Film Show Facebook page and there's a list of our top ten, bottom fives there. So by all means, do go there and have a look at our top ten, bottom fives and you know, if you agree with us, let us know. If you disagree with us, let us know. If you think we're a bunch of numpties, let don't us know. Don't tell us. No, I don't mind. I don't, I'm not one of those people who get precious about things. You're like Kevin Smith. Oh, you know what? We're doing it for free. Yeah. So if yeah. you don't like us, you just don't listen. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing I, I always find funny is like, you know, Kevin Smith, is he's got millions and millions and millions of fans. People love him and tell him how good he is every single day. Not so much these days, but back in the past, if like one person would say a negative thing about him, he'd really dwell on it. And that's just nature, though. Yeah. Our brains are, are wired to remember the negative. But he's he's got to a point in life, I think, uh, and I think it's a like a maturity kind of thing where mm. you kind of get to that point where if people are negative to you, you just think, well. F you, buddy. I don't care. Oh, I, don't, I guess I haven't reached that point yet. I don't yet. care what your opinion is of me. You can go bite it. I, I, I'm, yep. I'm trying, to, trying to think of the nicest possible way. Just of, go run off a short jetty. Yeah. Take a long run <laughs> off a short jetty. That's right, yes. Uh, so I think that that's one of the things in life you've got to learn is that uh, you know, if people suck, that's their problem, not yours. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, just, just what, what are those If people things? think you suck, you mean. No, no, if, no, no. If they are being mean to you, right. it's because they suck. Right. And not because I suck? Not because you suck. It's because they suck and they're not worth your time. Because I often think I suck. No, you shouldn't think you suck. Because you don't suck, you rock. Okay. If other people try to take your rockiness away from them, right. you tell them to get stuffed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, I'm not changing. I'm <laughs> like in my 40s, dude. It's not possible. I know. You've, you've done this for 40 years now. It's I know. Cool. I can't change. No. I can't change. I'm sorry, people. But um, so Strange World, <laughs> uh, what we might do is take a short break and have a chat about Strange World. I was going to jump straight into it, but um, might just take a quick break. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Smooth tones there. Smooth. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so Strange World um, has young uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in it and Dennis Quaid um, and Gabrielle Union and, and Lucy Liu and that's – and Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk and he's, he's playing a, uh, a role where he's got, uh, you know, a few more lines than, than he usually does. Oh, and Karan Sonny. Love that guy. Yes, yes. Uh, he's the he's the guy from um, uh, Deadpool and Deadpool Indeed, 2. the taxi driver. Yep, he is. He's, he's, very... he's very funny. So, is this movie funny, or well, is it deep? I think Cat and I have got to have another crack at this one. Right. We, uh, I think it was actually last Thursday that I watched it before coming in to do our top ten, bottom five. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's a Disney it's a Disney film, uh, a Disney animated feature. And, like, yeah, generally speaking, I like Disney animated features. Admittedly, I think I probably like Pixar animated features a bit more. Um, but, you know, Disney's, you know, cranked out some awesome stuff like, you know, Frozen and I think um, Moana. Uh, was Coco as well? Was a Disney, not a Pixar? Uh, I can't. Uh, anyway. um, I don't think so. I, this, I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, this, this is written by the same guy as Raya and the Last Dragon, mm. which I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, Raya and the Last Dragon, that was really, that was really cool. Um that was kind of 
yeah, it, I, I, don't know, I guess you could relate to it. I think it was more, it was set in our world, but mm. you know, a fantasy version of our world. This uh, film, uh, Strange World, is set um, in... A strange world? <laughs> well, no. Alien territory? It's not really. The strange world isn't the where they're in uh, the beginning. So you've got this community who are living uh, a lifestyle without, like, you know, mod cons. So there's no electricity. Um, they haven't got access to, you know, the things that need to be able to produce electricity. So they're still relying on, like, you know, horse-drawn carts and things like that. Um, but they, they can't really get out and explore their world and see what else is out there because they've got all these mountains surrounding them that they can't cross. The mountains are just insurmountable. Um <laughs> So you've got uh, Jaeger, uh, Cade, uh, who is uh, like an adventurer. And his young son, Searcher, is like, you know, he, he's taking on the adventures from when he's a baby and uh, they're going to go and they're going to have a, you know adventure. They're going to cross this mountain and everything is going to be freaking awesome uh, because they're going to go and they're going to find a new world and that new world will give them... Um, you know, things that will help them to progress and uh, as a society. Now, they start their, their quest and they have you know, a few people going with them uh, and as they go up the mountain, they get to a point where they find this plant and they notice that this plant is actually a source of energy and it's the, the fruit for the plant. Um, you, you can use it as a battery and so this is the thing that is going to be able to progress their society. So why do we need to continue forward when we can just take this plant back, get all the power we need, and then we can start producing things from there? Um, and so there's a bit of a falling out between uh, between uh, Jaeger and uh, his, his son. And uh, he goes on and continues exploring. And uh, his son uh, goes back and um, he basically becomes the person who gives the town all their energy needs. Yeah. Now, the film then jumps about 20, 25 years. So it shows you what's happening in, in the future. And the, the power source, I'm trying to remember what the actual power source was called in the film. Um, the the power source uh, that they they found is like dying. The, the the plants are you know some of them are dying altogether. Others the energy source just isn't lasting as long, and they've got to go and figure out what the heck's going on. So they um they go on an adventure and they go into the mountains and then inside the mountains they are in a strange world where they encounter these strange creatures are attacking them and they have to go and figure out what's going on and what is happening with this this plant, this uh, power pando? source. A pando? is Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called, yeah. Um, so they've got to find out what's happening with the pando, why it's dying off and in doing that, you know, of course they're going to, you know, maybe run into uh, um, into the uh, the father <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, Searcher might run into his, his dad, Jager, and uh, then they've got to deal with some daddy-son kind of issues. Mm. Um, it's an okay film, but it's just, I don't know, like, because y- you think originally maybe this is a film set in our world, but it's not set in our world at all. It's set in you know, a complete fantasy world, and... I don't know whether that's kind of where the disconnect happens. Mm. Like if it was, you know, set on Earth. Then and then they were going to an alien yeah, planet to, yeah. to get this 
power yeah. source. But then you understand, like, as the film progresses and you get to the end, you go, oh, right, okay, then that's a It's a climate on. change movie. No, no, no. No, no you have to, you'll have to watch the film to, to find out. Because if, if I tell you now, there's no point in watching the film. But um, when you, you, you see it um, and you've, you understand biology, then you'll go, okay, yeah, now I understand it. Fine, fair enough. But, um, yeah, it's just it's an okay film, but I don't know whether it was just I was tired. Well, Kat definitely was. She fell asleep during it. <laughs> um, but, I, we, yeah, we were just on the couch with the dogs uh, watching it, and I was con- trying to keep myself focused. Uh, and it could have just been tiredness or, or, or something like that. It, it hasn't had great reviews, though, so yeah. I don't think you're alone here. But maybe if we went upstairs and watched it on the big screen rather than watching it on the telly, maybe that would I don't be know. To be honest, I was doing the same thing that you were doing in, in that trying to get a few more movies movies in before the top 10 and it just I knew that it was out and I could have watched it a little bit earlier but it just it just didn't have any pull for me Mm. so when Bryce was like no not interested I thought ah well it's I'm not going to watch it by myself I'll watch um Thor yeah and I'm I'm glad I did (laughs) it it was enjoyable as Mm. silly as it was yes Mm. yeah uh so how many um weird globby plants are you going to give this I'll give it uh Three pandos. Three pandos. Yeah. Well, that makes sense since that's the power source. So um, White Lotus, the second season, I guess we're a little bit behind talking about this because I think it's been out for a little while, um, but I've only just got binge back. Uh, so got my bingy back, bingy back, bingy back, bingy back, sorry. Bingy back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe back, Riggs. Um, I can't remember why I got binge. Uh, it may. It have... was because of wrestling. It's because WWE Network no. is now on binge. That's what you got it for. I think you... it was to watch Colin from Accounts. But oh. anyway, um, I forgot that White Lotus was on binge, mm-hmm. and it popped up there, and I was like, "Yes, please. I I would like some more Jennifer Coolidge, and I would like it now." Well, that's interesting because because uh, like with the White Lotus, there's two seasons, mm. and and the thing I like about it, I, I think. <laughs> I think I think maybe it was only supposed to be a one and done, but then went, yeah. hang on a tick. The, we could like, you know, there's like Sheraton. Well, Sheraton, that's probably aging. That's aging myself. I don't know Hilton? There's Hiltons everywhere yeah. around the world. Like White Lotus could be a brand of hotel and we could just set another season in another hotel in another yeah. part of the world. which kind of made sense. And then there was the conversation of making it like an anthology mm. se- series, sort of like uh, American horror yeah. thingy. But this is more rich people relaxing. Uh, yeah, and, and you having, kind of want bad things to happen to people who are rich and having relationship issues. Apart from Jennifer Coolidge, yeah. because well, that's the thing. It's like you're, you're she's a bit cray cray, but we love her. You were very excited about Jennifer Coolidge being there, uh, and then like Cat and I had watched season one, and we we kind of enjoyed that. Went oh, let's watch season two. It's a different cast. And then when Jennifer Coolidge came up, Cat was like, Christ, not her again. Really? So I, oh, I'm just done with her. She's just. I, I think it's the like. Well, admittedly, like she, she she's playing the same character of the two seasons because it is the same character yes but uh she does tend to play the same character regardless of what she's in she does and i think there was an element of like really but i don't know i still enjoyed her and i think the fact that her um her storyline has I, i guess an ending it's sort of you would hope that if they do do another anthology to this, you'll have a whole bunch of new characters. Mm-hmm. And I was taught, like, I absolutely loved the first season and I still think it's so gross. But I think about the guy who was in charge, the concierge, mm. 
doing a poop in that guy's suitcase. I mean, spoiler alert, <laughs> but if you haven't watched it yet, I mean, you'll probably forget that. And, I mean, I love Steve Zahn, you know, so he's also in the first White Lotus. Um, I don't know. I think I liked the characters more in the second season. They, I think they were more fleshed out. I was talking to Arda about it and I asked her which she preferred and she said kind of the same thing, that that characters felt mm. a little bit more fleshed out and I wonder if it was... Like I was trying to think back to the characters in season one and I was like, I don't know that I felt as committed to the characters this time around. Because it was Mike White is the showrunner and writer yes. of the, the show. Yep. I think in the first one he was like completely just – it was all his stuff the yep. whole time. Was in the second one I think they got a writer's room together. Right. So that's probably why there was more fleshing out of characters in the second one because there was literally people fleshing out in a writer's room. Mm. Um, but I do like the, the, the idea of it because the first one was set in a – Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. And the second one was set in um, in Italy in uh, – Sicily. Sicily, yeah. Yep. Um, and so it was – it was interesting, um, yeah. Just the having the different characters, like in the the first one, the uh, the, the manager of the hotel, uh, he was a, a gay addict who recovering had, so, addict initially, recovering addict um, who like <laughs> he made some questionable like decisions before he started back on the uh, on the stuff. Uh, but yeah, he, he did make some very questionable decisions during the uh, yeah. the, the show, and he was really pushed. By a a rich person who was kind of a a giant a hole, really. He was, yeah, and um, it, it was it, you had some interesting characters there, um, where Steve Zahn, his wife, like she was an you know incredibly rich, rich driven woman, mm. uh, and she brought her daughter and her daughter's friend came along, yeah, um. And that they were rich uppity kind of kids. Yeah. Um, the son was like someone who was just like head stuck in his phone all day, just playing games, and was really really not interested in being there. And had the most he was character- rudderless. Yeah, and had the most character development of anyone in the yes. whole series. Yeah. Um, then you had a newly uh, a husband and wife newlyweds, uh, where the wife realised the husband is not going to be as much of the partner that she was hoping he was going to be and she would be more of a trophy wife. Yeah, and And he was trying to convince her to give up her job as a journalist because, you know, all she wrote was clickbait and she's like, well, I... I still want to work. He's like, no, I've got money. You don't need to work. Yeah, yeah. Why do you need to work? It's kind of like, yeah. So it was uh, really uh, interesting, and also uh, his relationship with his mother uh, comes into Molly play as Shannon. Well. Yep. Yes, yes. And then you've got uh, Coolidge's character, who is a. I didn't realize how rich she was in the first Vanessa. season. Yeah, in the first. I'm doing the lips. Sorry. Yeah, in the first season, she turns up, and you think she's just a rich woman who's having issues with scattering her mother's ashes, but then. <laughs> They develop that more in the in the second season, uh, but yeah, it's the whole thing is about people and relationships, and uh, the, the the second season, I think, uh, yeah, it, it does uh, dive more into that relationship dynamics. So, and there's more more um, sexy sexiness in the in the second season. Oh my goodness, so much so, mm. uh, and I mean, you've got Audrey Plaza in this, um, just being sensational as always. Um, You've got a, a family of three generations who have gone back to Sicily to see if they can find their um, their relatives, but they are the father and son, the, the grandfather, I should say, 
and the father have some issues with dalliances mm-hmm. in the past, whereas the the son of, of the youngest generation is very much, um, you know, I don't like to use the word woke, but he's a, a male with, with half a brain mm. um, who doesn't believe in objectifying women. So he's he's what you want, really. Um, and then you've got um, so Daphne and her um, very rich husband um, Theo are. Um, I think he's in finance <coughs> yes. or something. Yeah. Um, and they're incredibly rich. And he invites his his friend Will, who used to be his roommate, and his wife Harper or Ethan. Sorry, I'm I'm giving them. Uh, they're the wrong names here, but um, Daphne, Daphne and it doesn't matter. Daphne and uh, Cameron invite Harper and Ethan with them on this really expensive trip um, because Ethan has recently sold some huge things. So all of a sudden, he's really rich as well. So you know they're trying to fit into this richy lifestyle, and Harper's like, "This is BS, man," <laughs> and these people are BS. Um, so you see their relationship and, and the complexity of of both of those relationships and how they interact with each other. And then you've got Portia who plays um, the, the assistant to Vanessa um, and she's kind of told to stay out of the way because Vanessa's supposed to be there on a romantic holiday with her husband. This is not exactly what happens. Mm. And then you've got... Um, Lucia and Mia, who are the locals who basically are trying to come into the hotel um, to earn some money, uh, or Lucia basically really is. She is she's a sex worker and her friend Mia just wants to sing. So you've got these different relationships, like you said, and lots of different things happening and lots of sex. Yes. Lots of sexy sex sex. Mm. And then you've got um, Quinton, um, what's his, it is Quinton I think his name is, uh, yeah, Tom Hollander comes in and, and um, playing a guy called Quinton and he kind of throws things out slightly. Mm. And you've got uh, also the uh, hotel manager oh, here. Of course, I forget. Alora. Yeah, Alora. She... That's not her name. Isn't it? That's just what she says all the time. Right. Valentina. Valentina, that's right. Valentina, yes. I was, when, when she said that, I was like, oh, she sounds like a Marvel character. Um she is uh, interesting, very driven, and a much better manager of the hotel than in the previous season. But slightly scary. Yeah, she's slightly scary as well, and also it, it shows that women uh, like who are into you know women as well uh, can approach women they're interested in um, in in the wrong kind of way as well. Like not yes. just men; men uh, can stuff it up massively, but women can do that. Also, she's just un, unskilled and unfamiliar. Yes. And it's also uh, one of those things about people, uh, you know, being able to like you know know who they are mm. and, and not like you know hold and repress their their sexual side of themselves and their sexuality uh, into their like thirties. It's kind of like you know if you if you if you know you know who you are. You know, have a Just crack. be who you are. You have a crack and go on. But don't, what don't we're waste saying, time. Don't waste time. Basically what we're saying is it's really good. But yes. we we do have one other really big film to talk about. We do. Um, which is Avatar way of water. So we're going to jump into that in a moment. Um, we're just going to quickly play one more sponsor and then we are all about James Cameron. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Uh, if you've tried to go to the cinemas recently, you will notice that most of the time slots are filled up with a little film called Avatar, Way of Water. 
They they are, yes. That is, yeah, because you can see it in 3D, 2D, 1D. You can. The weird one is is like Kat and I were thinking about going to see it again uh, but going to D-Box and watching it in, in 3D and D-Box. I don't like the why, – why is it called D-Box? Because they're very bad at naming things Because it just does not sound like what it – is. It does not. It does not. The only other D-Box we know is a, 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 a song from uh, Saturday Night Live yep. called Dick in a Box. And, and uh, it also sounds like something you would call someone when they're being a bit of a true, yes, yeah. D in a box. So it's very, very bad. It's confusing. Uh, yeah. Now, Avatar, The Way of Water, um, apparently, uh, even though it's only been apparently, out... Apparently. <laughs> sorry. Even though it's only been out for uh, two, three weeks now, uh, it's... Projected to surpass the 1.5 billion in total box office today, um, and that will eclipse Top Gun Maverick to become the biggest grossing movie of 2022. Now, to be fair, the film may be released in 2022, but it didn't make all of its money in 2022. So I think uh, Top Gun Maverick is still going to be the, uh, the, the the box office winner at the end of the day, because because like yeah, you can't say that we made the most money in 2022 when so many money was made in 2023. Just yeah. doesn't work like that. It's slightly incorrect. Yes, um, but yeah, it's. But it, I mean, fair play to it though. Making uh, you know one point five billion dollars in a couple of weeks is pretty pretty spectacular. Um, but I still don't understand it though. Like, are people going back and seeing it over and over again, or is it just the cost of three D tickets is so much more than normal tickets that? I wonder if that's the case, eh? Because it is expensive to see something in three D. Mm, mm. But you do say if you're going to see this movie, you have to do it in three D. You do it in three D. There's literally no point going seeing this film. Are in you 2D. saying it because it's a terrible film? No, no, and no. no, no. I'm not... The only good thing about it is the three D. No, no. I'm just saying like the the film was made to be seen in three D. It's not like it was a like let. Let's make a, a film, a traditional film, and then we'll post produ- post production. We'll make it a three D film because that's what most of the films where it was in that peak of three D. Mm. That's what killed it was the fact that people weren't making the films in three D. They were making them in two D and then going right third dimension, and then they just like you know, make things come out the screen at you. Yeah, so, so I remember seeing Fright Night. Um, and right at the end where, like, the vampire comes out of the screen, just about pooed my pants. Mm. Like, and that's what you want from 3D. Not not dirty underwear, but, like, you want to feel it coming out of the screen. You want to be the, part of the story. But that's the thing is, though, with the, the way James Cameron does 3D, he doesn't do it gimmicky. No. He does it so that you've got depth of perception in the film. So when you're sitting in a cinema, it's not so much things coming towards you no. as you're looking deeper into the shot. And, like, if there's a, a scene... Where in this film, like it's in like jungles and stuff like that, and they've got a fire, and the embers of the fire are, are, are like burning. They're like burning, but they're kind of in front of the the, the scene, and it's just like you just feel more immersed in what's going on. So mm. I'm not saying the story's terrible or anything like that. The story's quite good. The story's better than Avatar, the original one, but he made this to be seen in a certain way and the only way to see that in that certain way is to go to a cinema and watch it in 3D. Mm. Um, so the, the the film is a continuation of the 
original Avatar film, but this is set like many years in the future. So after that first big battle in Avatar, the humans kind of like you know left Pandora, and uh, the Avatars, so the, the the Navi got to you know take back their world, and you know things are going great. Um, you know Jake Scully Sully is now like a full you know uh, Navi, although he's a, a hybrid Navi. I was going to say I don't even know how that works. Was I supposed to remember that from the first one? I think basically the um the avatar which the avatar is a hybrid uh navi human which is when you've got the avatars they've not got the same amount of fingers as the navi have i think navi's got three they've got four or something like that um and so but they they can still reproduce everything like because he's had he's got kids um and one of his kids is actually the daughter of sigourney weaver's character from the first film and that's a adopted child um so they're uh, you know living their their life everything like that, but humans being what humans are, they're still thinking. Well, you know, we've stuffed up this earth, so you know, Pandora's. You know, okay, we can't breathe the air, but I'm sure if we go there and terraform it a bit, then we can you know make it livable for us, and then we can just kill the native population and Bob's your uncle Earth too. Um, and so they come back to to Pandora, and they're kind of just looking to uh, take over is is the, the the main thing they want to come in and colonize um but the uh, and they're going to the, their first target is Jake because obviously you know he's the person that you know formed an uprising and you know got everything going so they're going after him and his family and they go to go into hiding and so they go to like this ocean clan of uh, Navi and uh, I don't know if they're called Navi or they're called something else but they're very much um, uh, influenced by Maori culture in their in their design and their, their mannerisms um, but they go there and they like learn how to be you know instead of being jungle kind of people they become more ocean people and they, they learn to live with uh, these people and learn their ways um, there's a bit of conflict between between tribes and those kind of things, but it's one of those films. It is three hours and something long, but it doesn't seem like a drag. Like it's it's a really it's good storytelling, good pacing. There are some scenes where you go, okay, James, I think you've just gone a bit on with this, mate. You're just doing it because it looks nice. Um, he could have cut down a lot of it for for time, mm. but. I know he just wants to go, look how good this is. I am at, <laughs> you know, building this world. And, yeah, fair play to him. But I do think he'd probably make a bit more money if he did, a, like, a cut-down version and just have, like, Avatar The Way of Water, the story without the pretty bits, you know? <laughs> Well, you still have pretty bits. It's just that not they don't as, go on and yeah, on and on. Not as many pretty I, bits. I could, I could do a movie that's, like, maybe half an hour less than that. Yeah. I mean, three hours is an effort. Mm. But it's a it's a great it's a great story, and there's um, a lot of water in it, so you're gonna want to pee. Yes, true, true. Are there I, waterfalls? Probably, because I, I, that just yeah. feels mean to me. I did pee once during the the, the movie, but I was like, oh, is anything gonna happen to this bit? Probably not. I'll go for a pee. <laughs> um, and so, and also, where I, we, we, I saw it in the Lux at Carousel, and you just have to go up the stairs, and then you just go for a quick pee, and then we're back downstairs again. So um, it wasn't wasn't too bad, but no, it was a. It was a really good film, really well made. And that's why it was my number two film of the year. Yeah. It was pretty damn impressive. Um, and I'm interested to see where the story is going to go. But uh, the, the thing that I still still gets me, though, is that the this is a societal thing, right? Because the, the Navi, the original Navi, they're based on American Indians. And then the new uh, Navi that we see, they're based on like Maori kind of cultures, like tribal cultures. Mm-hmm. And... 
Like generally speaking, like the those kind of cultures don't have the same kind of hang-ups we do with with uh, female boobs and nipples and breasts. Uh, they they are kind of like you know they they might have their boobs out and no one's going to care. Whereas it, it, we've got these creatures that aren't human that, that are you know more tribal and stuff like that on another world, and they've got to wear jewelry over their naughty bits because we as a society deem them to be naughty bits. Mm. Like you have as many male nipples as you want. We- Western society has sexualised um, Exactly, to the point breasts. where... Yeah, to the point where you... you and, and the weird thing is, in this film, the only bit of the breast that's naughty, can't show, is a nipple. You can go as much side boob as you want, under boob, top boob, all that's good. Just don't show a little bit of darkening flesh because that'll, be, uh, that'll be rude. Too rude, we won't be able to handle it. Um, but there was one nipple in the film. Uh, it was at the very start. It was like James Cameron going, they, the females do have nipples, just in case you're wondering, here's one. But that, this is well within context, so uh, it's quite all right. We're still going to get a PG-13. So, uh, right. Yeah, this, this, the film is very much like um, the poster child of a PG-13 film. Right. It's kind of like, here's, here's a nipple. Uh, it's, in, it's in context, so that's fine. Uh, and then with, there'll be lots of uh, them saying uh, the S word throughout the film, uh, but that, that's fine as long as there's not too many of them. And then, it's not in context because people don't want to see people shit. No, 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 they're just saying it. They're not, right. Yeah, something happens. Oh, and yes, uh, and uh, there's one F-bomb. And ah. you're only allowed one F-bomb in a PG-13 film. And there's film. violence. Because you can have as much violence oh, as you want in a PG film, you go just to, no nipples. You go to town with the violence, but you show me one nipple. I oh, know. I don't, you can't show me one nipple as long as it's in context. So yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, it, don't, don't, it can't be erect though. Don't, don't be showing me an erect nipple. That would be just wrong. No, and I mean, same with doodle. Don't show erect doodle. I saw Jude Law's doodle in um, uh, the, the Mr. Ripley film. Yep. Just a little bit, just a little bit, not erect. Yeah, no, that, that's. I it. forgot that you saw it, and I was <laughs> like, "Oh, it's Jude Law's doodle." So that's why he was a talented Mr. Ripley. But uh, we... well, he's not Mr. Ripley. <laughs> oh, he's not. I was, I no, seen it. I Matt Damon that. is Mr. Ripley. Fine, he's he, also... his name is Dicky. Right. Greenfield. And do you, you see his dicky? No, yes. you don't. You do see his as well. You see Dicky's dicky. Anyway, we've got to get out of we here. We do. Uh, I'm going to give Avatar five. Uh, five um, uh, nipple tapes because obviously <laughs> there was a lot of it used in Pandora. Oh, goodness me. We got to go. Catch you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.